0: What I'm speaking on is, to me right now, the most important subject next to salvation, naturally, that I know of in America. I believe it's the root of the situation that we're facing. And it is the extreme importance of godly fathers. And let me just say right off the bat, if, if it was not for our mothers and our women, our churches would have long since closed their doors. So, women, you understand, I honor, I mean, I give great honor to women. So, this, this that I'm talking about today it is in no way demeaning to women. So, you understand know that, and know that. My precious wife is here in a wheelchair today, and I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for her. She's the lady that pointed me to Jesus. She's the one that, amen. Amen. I'm going to use it as my text, uh, a familiar passage of Scripture. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And it's the Lord's Prayer. And it starts like this. We all know it, right? So I won't quote the whole thing. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it goes on from there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We, all, we could all quote that, right? We all know it by heart. Now, what I want to tell you is that When I have looked over our situation in our nation today, and I've been in many other nations through my life, and it's the same thing everywhere I go, this is what I have found. I am very thankful, extremely thankful, for the godly fathers that we've got. It is the foundation of our nation. If we didn't have our godly patriarchs, our godly fathers, our pastor is the patriarch of this church. He's like the father of this church. If we didn't have godly fathers, we'd lose our nation. But it doesn't take much news to look around, and I don't got to where I don't even watch the news anymore, to look around and see that we're in trouble. Would you agree with that? All right. Where is that? problem, where it is the root of that problem, and this is where it is. Years and years ago, back in the early, mid-60s, I was attending East Texas Baptist University, it's the university now, and in their speech department, they didn't have but one speech teacher, so I transferred to two years to Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches and made A's and B's, it really did well there. But I was in a class. uh, I had taken all my basics off there at, at Stephen F. Austin State University, and I was in an education class. And I heard something that just rocked me to the core. I thought, surely this couldn't be the truth. Surely this is not so. But what I found through the years, it is so. My professor got up and, and, and talked about situation ethics. I don't know if you've ever heard of situation ethics. But this is what situation ethics is. If the community or the county or the state or the government says something's okay, then it's okay. And I, I heard that and I... And I thought, Lord, if that's true, we're going to get in trouble. So, listen closely to what I'm telling you. God is the one that established the family. Hear me. Government didn't establish the family. And government is not to define the family. God's the one that defines the family. And when God set it up, he set it up right. But what I have watched through all of these 60 years now that I've been preaching is that what that professor said is happening. And I'm I'm very positive. I'm a positive person. I'm not negative in any way. But I'm also a realist. And we need to face the situation. We got a problem, folks. What's happening is Satan... If, if, the Satan, if Satan does anything, it is to attack the family. Amen. And so, we, this is what's happen, happening now. It never happened when I was a boy. When I was a growing, boy growing up, we didn't have the things we're facing today. We didn't have people living together, not married. That was an unheard of thing. Uh, listen, I'm just going to open up the, the truth of what it, what it is today. Why is it that we have so many families without a father? Did you know that 33% of the families in America, the children in America, 33% of them go to bed at night without a father in the house? That's one-third. Fathers carry a tremendous responsibility. Godly fathers, I believe, is the key and the answer to what we are facing in our nation today. Now, I I vote, and I'm a conservative. Naturally, I am. I'm a born-again Christian, and I, and I, I vote. But let me tell you something. You can get any kind of politician you want to get in there. But if we don't get this family situation straightened out, we're not going to get it straightened out. It starts with that godly father, and that godly father has a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. And let let me just kind of go through a little bit with you for, for the time that I've got this morning. I went to Venezuela, and my interpreter was a man by the name of Mike Romo, who used to be... Uh, Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen's right-hand man, and he interpreted for me. And when I got to Venezuela, I saw the effects of socialism and communism. And let me tell you, folks, it's creeping into our nation. It's everywhere you go. Look around. If it comes in, you know what the first objective of socialism is? to destroy the family. If they can get those fathers from, and keep them from being godly fathers, then they got the family. When all these years that i 60 years that I've preached, I, I learned this, if I can win daddy to Christ, I can win the family. Best of the family will follow in. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some responsibilities And before I even do that, I want you to know I'm very grateful for you godly fathers. If we didn't have you, we'd be in trouble. Now, it was my wife who was responsible for me being saved. I had godly women throughout my church, and I'm very grateful for it. But what I'm talking about now is where the root of the problem is, I believe. It's not the politician, even though we want to vote right. Amen. Make sure you vote and vote right. That's not the core of the problem. The core of the problem is a godly father. And as I pastored throughout the years, I found that the Lord, when, if God gets his way, if God does what God wants to do, you know what he's going to do? He's going to start saving young men and young women, but he's going to raise up godly fathers. And then those godly fathers are going to guide their children right next door to where I live. Now, the man that lived there till he died, I led to the Lord and led basically his whole family to the Lord. A wonderful godly man. Then a couple moves in there. She has four children. I've got her to this church before. Four children. And she's living with a man she wasn't married to. And guess what? I guess the poor man, I only met him one time, never got to talk to him. He he didn't want to talk to me. He went on back in the house. But he left that woman and had another woman. He left that woman, had a baby by that woman, left her just stranded. My next door neighbor, stranded. No way to take care of her children. He kicks her out of the house. The house is vacant except for the man that comes out. I don't even know his name. Isn't that something? My next-door neighbor. But I never even got to meet the guy. And what's happening is she, she stood at this altar with me not long ago and wept. And I told her, I said, listen to me. Please listen. Don't you get involved with a man and live with him if he's not willing to marry you. If he doesn't love you enough to marry you, and people say, oh, there's just a piece of paper. It's not just a piece of paper. It's a, it's a divine institution of God. And we have all kind of legal papers, don't we? We have our deeds, and we have our wills, and all of that. And all of that's very, very important. My uh, uh, oldest daughter is, is a probate attorney. And so, she deals with that all the time. But now, here's the situation. She's got four children. She's a single mom. She's a sweet lady. But she listened to a man that wasn't willing to marry her. And now, she lives somewhere. I don't even know where she lives. Somewhere in Beaumont now. Trying to take care of four kids. All because she got associated with a man that wanted to live with her, have a baby by her, and wasn't married. What do you think about that? You think that's of God? Certainly it's not of God. Well, we're facing that. that I could tell you that story a hundred times. That's happening in, in America. When I pastored my first church, every, every church I pastored, God. here's what God did. He saved somebody, raised them up and made them godly fathers. And until this day, all except one of them, the man that actually started this church, I led to the Lord when he was 15 years old, Mac Alexander, and and he went and did mission work all over. And I led him to the Lord. He stood up to his feet, and he said, God has called me to preach. He's 15 years old. God's called me to preach the gospel over land and sea, and he did it till he died. Now. Well, I'm saying, He took on the responsibility of, God, of a godly father. Now, I have a whole list I could go through, and I, I don't want to take the time to, 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 to go through them, but so many that I have seen. And you men, I'm very thankful for you. In my family, we have, we have godly fathers in my family. Our families are all together. Most of my family are here this morning. But families fall apart. And, and churches would close without our women. But what we need in America is fathers that will go by the Word of God, fathers that will stand up. So, I want to talk to you real quickly. What is the responsibility of a father? I believe this. I believe if, if our men in America would take on what God has called them to do, our nation would totally go into revival. So, here's the first thing. Sir, it is your responsibility, my responsibility, to win my children to Christ. Thank God for our pastors. But listen to me. We have thousands of people. Our pastors can't get to all those thousands of people. They can't live in your home. So don't, make sure you don't make it somebody else's responsibility to win your own children to Christ. It's our Father's responsibility. I've won just about all my family, personally to the Lord, and my wife's helped me, but that's your first responsibility. First responsibility before God is to see that your children get saved, all right? Then secondly, whose responsibility is it to see that our sons and our daughters have the anointing of God in their life? Well, moms jump in there and help us, don't they? But that's daddy's responsibility. You ever hear this? Kids acting up, wait till your daddy gets home. You probably used that before, right? Wait till your daddy gets home. Well, we know it's there, don't we? We know that responsibility is there. So fathers must take on let me say, daddies, if you take on what God has called you to truly do, and that is to make sure number one, take care that your family gets saved. Number two, that your family are anointed of the Lord. See that they get the anointing. I prayed for three months when I was called to preach, and I, I, I was pastoring my first church, and there was a ranch across the street, and there was a little uh, stock pond and a, for the cattle and, and a rock there, and I would go because I was preaching and giving speeches, and I knew I was giving speeches. And I, finally, I talked to the Lord one day, and I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do, but I'm tired of giving speeches. I want the anointing of God. And when you get the anointing of God, let me tell you, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And three months later, I got to preach one day, and it was there. And it's never left me. It goes with me everywhere I go. For 60 years, it's been there. It'll always be there. That anointing is there for every single father in this world, and every mama, too. But that anointing is there to give you the strength and the power that it takes to raise a family. It's not easy to to, to bring up a family, especially in our our world today. Now, I'm going to go through a list here. I want you to listen to this list. I want to tell you before I go through this list, I've taken on, I think, number one responsibility that I have above all other responsibilities even above my mission work and my evangelism and all the work that I've done through these years. Pastored four different churches, full-time evangelist seven years, preached in countries all over, I don't know, so many countries. But let me tell you, my number one responsibility is to see after my family, to love my family, to love them so much that I'd give my life for them. And that is so important. Well, I was so, I was so desirous to correct the situation that I saw happening way back then in our world that when I was a pastor and I had 44 ministries going, every kind of ministry you can think of we had going, trying to win people. But I was trying to help people with deliverance. So I did deliverance at night. That's when you, you know, get the, the strongholds, the demons, whatever you want to call them, out of people. And I was so frustrated. And, I, and something came to me one day. How are these strongholds? Let me name a few of them. And I, when I name these, i want to tell you something. None of these are in my household. None of them. But I'm going to say some words here. Hurt. That's a demonic stronghold. Bitterness, demonic stronghold, rejection, anger. Don't ever say, oh, my daddy was an angry man, so I got that temper from him. No, you didn't. You chose to get that temper from him. Anger is a choice. Every one of these are choices we make. All right, hate, selfishness. False pride, low self-image, false witness, jealousy, laziness, disloyalty, self-righteousness, lust, adultery, unnatural affections, pornography, sexual perversion, abuse, the list goes on, you know, there are 250 when I used to try to get help people get free. But well, God did something for me. You know, if you really seek the Lord, He'll, He'll answer you. Call upon me and I will answer you, show you great and mighty things. I, was, I had did that, done that for five years and I was so frustrated because this is what would happen. I probably rung a bell or two in going through that, but there's 250 of them. If, you haven't dea- if you're dealing with any of these things, I want to tell you those are demonic strongholds, and they have no place in your life. Well, I'm, we we bought this campus. We had a school going. We had a seminary going, and uh, I, I walked up on the campus one day uh, to go to the office, and there was a man that was standing in the middle of the road, and the man. had come to buy some trees. He was from Livingston. Never seen the man before in my life. Never had this kind of experience before in my life. And God said to me, this man is to teach you. I thought, I walked up to him and I thought, sir, you may think I'm totally crazy, but God just told me you are to teach me. I already had a doctorate in theology. I had all, I mean, the bachelor's, master's, you name it, doctorate. And here's a man I've never seen before. And God says he's to teach me. You know what he said? He said, I wondered why I drove from Liverton, Texas, all the way down here to Lumberton, Texas, to buy a few trees. And he came for three months to my house. I mean, he would walk in the door praising the Lord. And he taught me a subject that I had never learned in all my theology. And it was, I knew about justification, sanctification, glorification. But he taught me about identification. And it just turned my life around. I was a born-again, spirit-filled. And excuse the expression that you ever hear people want to make fun of us. They say that all-slinging, tongue-speaking, Bible-toting. Well, that describes me. That's who I was, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, he taught me about who we are in Christ. Uh, and if you ever get a chance, study that subject because it will set you free. So, this is what was happening to me. I'd get all these things out of people because we do have authority over Satan, and, and, and yet, two months later, they're right back again. Sometime a week later, they're back again. And I thought, how are they getting back in? How is this happening? And it dawned on me. Satan can't get to your family unless he goes through the spiritual authority. And the spiritual authority number one of the family is the father. Are you aware of that? And if Satan's going to get to your family, he's got to go through you as a father. That's how important we are. Let me tell you, we have enough to keep us busy for a lifetime. I mean a two or three lifetimes in order to properly teach our children. What are we to do as fathers? What is our responsibility? Well, number one, first, the first responsibility, and God taught me this before I ever went in deliverance. I have a responsibility before God, before God Almighty, to love my wife like Christ loved the church. That's found in Ephesians 5. You know what Jesus did? He gave his life for the church. We are to love our families like Christ loved the church and love our wives, even as Christ loved the church. Now, I don't need to go into it because you know the example that is there. So, that's the number one responsibility, love your wife, even before you have children. Love her unconditionally, okay? And gentlemen, do not let Satan put anger in you. That's from the devil. A lot of families are destroyed because of anger. People say things when they get angry they don't really mean. But the meanest thing they can say, they'll say it when they're angry. Is that right? Don't do that. Don't go there. Understand, you are in an appointment that God Almighty alone has given to you. No other person in the world just like you. No other father in the world just like you. No other father in the world will have the children that you have. This is what God tells us that we've got got to do. Now, something I didn't do, okay, I helped raise five children. Three of them were boys. (laughs) And I, I, never took, I never took the Bible and used Scripture to beat them over the head. I just didn't do that. And so when I was raising my three grandsons, and I think they're all three here today. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. they all, they're, all, they're all godly fathers. Praise God. My whole family loved God. Love but the reason they love God is because I listen to God. I'm not perfect. None of us men are perfect. But what I'm saying is I did listen to God, and now I have a godly family. And all my family, I've got to baptize uh, some of them. In fact, I'm going to baptize one next Sunday in our service. It's, it's, it's a great-grandchild. And so see to it. It's it's, it Mom will help you, but it's your responsibility, sir, to win your children to Christ. Don't let somebody else take it. Get that joy. That's your responsibility. You see that your children are saved. You see that they are properly loved and You you can discipline your children. I did mine, but you do it in love. And so what my wife can't stand any kind of violence (laughs) She just can't handle any kind of violence. So we couldn't have violence and I I didn't like it either (laughs) So what I do is I'd line them up and I never used the Bible. I knew not to use the Bible and i tell them about, you're the only brothers that you're gonna ever have, and on and on I'd go, and they'd, see, they'd start saying, please, please spank me, Papa. Please spank me. <laughs> 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 but they've they grown up to be good men. They all love God. One of them drove me over here today. Another one was in the, in the, in the car with me, and my, and my other one is, is here too. All of them love God, serve God, now this is the next thing I want to tell you. I could count on one hand and have some fingers left over, and I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Uh, I'm not saying anything that is. That is. Uh, how would I say? I'm not saying anything that is um, wrong in my opinion. But we took our children with us everywhere we went. I could count on one hand the time we hired babysitters. I wanted my children to experience what I experienced everywhere I went. They've been all over. I was talking to one of them today, uh, and uh, he's he's in the service here. And we, t- uh, I preached. I was on television for I don't know 12, 13 years in, in in Belize City, Central America, and I did three crusades there. And we were talking about it. And one of the crusades. Uh, we went to a place called Golf Island, which is right out in the middle of the Caribbean. You'll see the picture of it on calendars some, sometimes. And uh, he was young, and there was a coconut tree. had coconuts in it. And nobody on the island but us. is little bitty island. And he went up the thing like a monkey. I thought, how did he do that? Way up high and threw us down coconuts. And, but he got saved in that crusade. My grandson got saved in that crusade. I'm going to tell you a story here. Think whatever you want to think of it. I want to see it one, one other time in my, my whole ministry. The place was, it was a big convention center. I had held three crusades there in Belize. It was packed out. And we, we had over 200 saved in one service. And I had counselors that counseled with them. And then the difference that they have in other countries than we have here is all the denominations, we had every denomination, even Mennonites, all the denominations believe in healing. And I couldn't get to all those people. And so I said, Lord, would you just heal them? And I did my hand like this. I've never seen anything like it. It was like wheat being blown by a strong wind. The whole entire congregation of all denominations Just laid over. They were all on the floor. And I I thought, well, Lord, I told them this is going to be like a Billy Graham crusade, but you know what you're doing. And in a little bit, they all got up and they started dancing, a beautiful dance before the Lord. And it went on and people got healed everywhere. I mean, it was awesome. We just had 200 saved. Uh, just, just uh, uh, let me tell you, it was an act of God. I didn't have anything to do with it other than wave my hand like that. But have you ever seen that? You ever seen a flock of birds going all of they all move at once, and uh, it was like that, just laid out. And then God, God just moved, and we had people. It, it was just packed, out hot. Ooh, it was hot, packed out. But listen to me. I learned something. My friend that my wife and I mentored, Larry Lee, who founded all the churches on the rock worldwide, still alive, put out a book, Could You Not Terry One Hour? Y'all might even know about that book. And so I decided that I was gonna get our men together and we were gonna pray for one hour. So first, first 5.30 in the morning, first time we get together, there's about 40 men. A year later, there's three. (laughs) They're just worn out. (laughs) But God did all kind of wonderful things through that. And then the Lord showed me something one day. Now, I love Larry. Larry and I are still friends. He still calls me his pastor. And and the last time I talked to him, he's a wonderful man of God. You know, made some mistakes. Who who hadn't made mistakes? But anyhow, so uh, uh, I talked to the Lord about that. And he said, why don't you just fellowship with me all day long? And so I learned the greatest truth. I'm going to give you a key, fellows and ladies. If you'll do what this pastor tells you, it'll change your Christian life. I heard Dr. Yonggi Cho who was, had built the greatest church in the world, 750,000 members. I think it has over a million now. He just went to, went to heaven recently. He was asked, I was at Prestonwood Baptist Church. This was at a Baptist church in their old, their old location. And Dr. Cho spoke. And he said, he was asked the question, how did you build the biggest church in the world? And he said, I pray. And I obey. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. That's what I've been trying to do all the time. And boy, it locked with me. And let me tell you folks, it's the secret, it's the key to this Christian life. Did you know that all that's gone on in all my ministry, I hadn't gotten the least bit worried about it, nervous about it. Upset about it, whatever went on, because I realized I am just God's servant. And all my responsibility as a father, as a minister, as a husband, my responsibility is simple. Just pray until I hear from God. I pray in my understanding, I pray in the Spirit, and then I just do what God tells me to do, and I don't have to worry about anything. Because since God is the one that initiated, God's the one that will sustain it. Are you hearing me? That's simple. But as a result of that, I'm astounded myself. I don't even know how many thousands of people have been saved. I don't know how many crusades I've even held, 300 at least. And listen to me, folks. If, I can't, if you don't hear anything else I've said today, do what I'm t- t- telling you about. No frustration, no worry. I, I, I never worried about it. If it, was a, if, it was a, if it was $10 or if it was $20 million, He always came through. He has never failed me, not one time. In all these 60 years, he's never let me down one time because I'm just doing what he told me to do. And when God tells you to do something, he's going to back it up. Amen? Amen. You're not going to come up short. You don't have to worry about it. The Bible says don't worry about anything. That's what it says. Rather do what? Pray. Pray about everything. There it is. Pray and obey. You know, he used to have a song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's it, fellas. Ladies, that's it. You do that, you're gonna have a happy life. I can promise you.